Who's first? Your intro's first. I was listening, I swear. Do you want me to, I'll point with the pen so that we know. I'm Tiff Waldron, Pink Boots Society Australia President, Certified Cicerone, and Beer Educator. And I'm Lindsay Gregg, a Certified Cicerone, Professional Snack Queen, and Brewer. And we're here to explore the people and conversations that aren't always front and center of the beer industry. You're listening to Crack the Ceiling Podcast. Okay, here we are. We are here. Here we are. (laughs) We're back in Tiff's apartment. Even though we could go out to bars, we somehow stend, stend, we somehow still end up recording here. Recording. There is a reason. Yes. And the reason is that every time we record somewhere else, something happens. That's true. Something bad. Either there's a technical problem Mm. or you can't hear somebody. And so the safe option is. Back in my apartment. That's true. Where the only real issue is that my dog makes noise. (laughs) The only real problem is Biscuit, um, who is situated directly behind Tiff right now. Yeah. Because she was put there. (laughs) She's basically between me and the back of the chair because it's the only way she'll sit still, right? We're here. You can hear us. You can hear us. We're figuring these things out. Look, we did did record a podcast recently with Mel from Rocky Ridge. However... You can't hear a damn thing. You can't hear a damn thing. Mics were cutting out, but we figured that out. I we're no longer recording on my little cheap computer. I have now received a hand me down MacBook. So I am. We're on the ups and ups. We have the technicalities now, and two years into recording our podcast, Tiff, we might start to figure out what we're doing. Maybe. Maybe. Now we just need to actually like put it in our calendars, keep to it, maybe get some guests <laughs> on again. Every single episode, we're like, it's, it's been, been so crazy. chaos. We're changing <laughs> jobs again. We've been traveling, moving house, judging beer awards again. Again, yes. it is already that time. It is chaos all the time it in our lives. It just doesn't stop. <laughs> you change jobs again. What'd you change jobs to? First of all, you were just on a maternity contract at IBA, and I feel yeah. like everybody doesn't really know that. True. So mm-hmm. I was covering a somebody else's maternity leave because I also get the like when I when somebody's on a maternity leave contract, they're not the ones who are having a child. <laughs> you did not have a just child. to be really clear about that because I get that a lot when they're like, "Oh, congratulations!" I'm like, "That's not how maternity leave contracts work." Uh, <laughs> so I was covering for. Kelly, who had a baby, mm-hmm. who's back on deck now, um, yep. but actually they are still looking for someone else to help cover some days with social media and such. Yep. Um, yeah. So I'm a beer fans now, which is what super exciting. Is beer fans. Common question. So the best way I can explain it is it's like an aggregator for all brewery beer brand merch. Mm-hmm. So like. If you're into beer, you can go to one site and buy everybody's merch on one in one place. Yeah, which is kind of cool because I think if you're outside of the beer industry and let's say you have an uncle and you know they're a really big fan of such and such brewery, then they can go to that website and see all the things. All the things, but also like in one, you know, your uncle likes breweries in the inner west of Sydney. Well, then you just go on and buy like two T-shirts and a hat and there's yeah. your gift right there. Yeah. Awesome. Is, is there American brewery stuff as well, or is it just Australia? Just Australian. Yeah, right. Cool. For now. For now. I think that's the fun of, like, for me, the interesting part is, like, coming into, like, a true startup. Yeah. And, like, there's so many things that we can do. 
in so many different ways for the whole business to grow. And like, so I work for Joe Cook. He's, you know, been around the industry for a super long time, but like there's a million ideas that are kind of all just simmering there and like just waiting to see what happens. Lots. So there's lots of like exciting stuff to do. Plus I've been saying for a long time that I wanted to try like try and build my commercial experience to like have a go at sales so this is my first like sales sales job yay and i'm selling things and it's you know learning new skills basically yeah leveling up but it's cool to, that you get to be in a part of that like um i don't know if this is commonly used in other industries i just think of it in the acting industry but we always talk about like building your toolbox like an actor's <laughs> toolbox like yeah learn a new skill there like learn some juggling learn how to burp on command learn um (laughs) tap dancing you know and you just put all of that into your actress toolbox because you never know when someone's gonna need a juggler burper tap dancer i mean in one thing and and you're like i have all of these do you have all that in your toolbox me personally yeah i'm not very good at juggling i'm pretty bad at it Mm. i can burp on command Yes. I'm, I'm not going to do that now. I, I put it on my resume as like a joke. And one time a casting director asked me to do it. And then it was like a really nasty burp. <laughs> and I was humiliated. And no. he was laughing. Um, but I mean, good. It was wet. And it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> Special skills. I think Can he was thinking it command. would just be a little what, And instead it was like, a, ooh. <laughs> Um, I'm going to keep that in my toolbox, knowing that you can do that now. (laughs) But yes, I think toolbox is a good way of considering it. Like I've done consulting and events and I've done hospitality and I've done marketing. And so sales was like the one thing I hadn't done yet. I mean, for me, it's like I'm selling like a marketing tool and I've come out of working in beer marketing for five years. So it's like selling a thing that I actually believe in. So it's different. And you're working with a bunch of different brands, right? You're not like stuck on... Like you get to like go to a bunch of different brands. You're not. Yeah, it's like every day I'm like talking to people who I like and I know yeah. and I respect anyway. And like Joe started other companies before, so I feel like there's a lot to learn. Yeah, and there's so and I I think that that's so important to emphasize as well in the beer industry. Like there's so many jobs other than brewing and yeah. sales. Being a sales rep for a brewery. <laughs> yeah. Like there's so many other jobs out there that you don't see and you don't know, and it's kind of just. It's like any business. What is gonna fit in for you? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out where I fit in, but that's fine. We all. (laughs) Um, Right. Yeah. So Tiff started a new job. I am still in my job. Not at all. Oh yeah, we sold. (laughs) However, we're still independent. We're uh, stomping ground is now with Good Drinks Australia. Um, Yeah, big big thing. I think it's like people have been asking a lot how we feel about it, and I think everyone is generally looking at it in a really positive light yeah and i i mean that honestly like everybody's just like yeah no this is going to be a good thing so i find it really hard to see a lot of downside in in the whole sale of one independent business to another where especially where one there isn't a lot likely to change especially even for a long time but yeah if anything, it's just like you get to tap into more resources, resources. and more people yep. more than anything. Yep, 100%. And we're going to learn a lot from them and they'll probably learn some things from us. So it's an exciting it's an exciting thing. Um, yeah. And I was in the States. Tiff was also in the States. <laughs> we were actually there at the same time. We were in the States at the same time. Uh, we did not cross paths, though. Not even close. Um, Tiff, what did you think of the beer industry in the U.S.? I mean, 
It's interesting. We had very different trips. Yes, we did. So I'll <laughs> say I was in the U.S., but I was strictly visiting family. I was very much like in my hometown visiting my dad and his where he lives now and not much else. Yeah. So it was a very a limited view. And it's really interesting because like where I grew up, there were like two breweries in the whole like county, let's call it. So the Lehigh Valley is where I'm from. There were like two breweries that in I can never remember. In Pennsylvania? Yeah. Yep. So like an hour north of Philadelphia. So I remember there was Weyerbacher and then there was like a local brew pub called Bethlehem Brew Works. So mm-hmm. there wasn't much else going up. Yeah. And they are easily like 15 to 20 breweries are now at least. Yeah, that's wild, isn't it? And they really run the gamut from like pretty fucking great to listen. I went to one and it was <laughs> some guys I went to high school with opened a brewery. Oh, good. And I walked in and I was like, well, this is exactly like a party in their backyard would have been like in high school. from you. Like, literally, it was, like, the same music. It was tie-dye shirts. The beers were – there was one good one, and the rest were not drinkable. Which is, like, a direct (laughs) – um, what do you call it? It's, like, a a direct reference to guys' groups in high school. (laughs) Yeah. One's decent, and the rest (laughs) – Listen, they were playing Dave Matthews on the loudspeakers. Of course they were. But it was – the thing that was cool was like it's on a river and they had this giant deck and they had like mm-hmm. Adirondack trails all the way down to the river. And yeah, it's like, cool. I mean, it's not, I think a river, river is probably a very mature word to use for some water running through an area. But listen, it had a cool vibe. It was awesome to hang out at. Yeah. For me, the yeah. beers were not so good. Yeah. But, you know, on the, you know, on the flip side, I also had some really fucking great beers and, it is kind of cool because when I my dad moved to New Jersey, so he lives in like North Jersey now. Yeah. On the shore with him, it's kind of like they're still exploring the area. And so we're all kind of exploring when I go. And so we're trying yeah. out new breweries and like really, again, ran the gamut from like roll in warehouse bar, have a beer to some really like source brewing where I've sent you some pictures. Cause yeah. I don't I just something about it is just the floors. Yeah, the floors are awesome. They've got a floors, cool chandelier. The floors are really cool. They've got this big outdoor area. It's like the brewery that I want to open. They mm-hmm. don't do food. All they sell are pretzels. It's perfect. We ate so many pretzels while we were in the oh, States. So like best. my trip was different. However, I was also dealing with three years of family shit. But <laughs> um, as a reminder, you're seeing someone's highlight reel when they post. <laughs> yeah. So it did look like all I was doing was brewery hopping, which to be fair, in Portland and LA. And high school memories. And yeah, and high school <laughs> memories. Um, Portland and LA and Denver, like we did drink so much beer. Um, and then I kind of just drank Miller High Life once oh I got God. to, but my hometown's the same way, right? Like when I was growing up there, I say it's a small town. The population's actually like 160,000. But there was one, uh, Springfield Brew Co. was like the one brewing company. Um, and I had my high school graduation party there. <laughs> I didn't even drink the beer, but they had really good spinach and artichoke dip, which they don't have anymore, which is very disappointing. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, but now there's heaps of breweries. There's a really cool one called Tie and Timber, and you can bring food in from other places, and it has this big outdoor area. It's near the college campus. Um, Yeah, kind of the same thing. Overall, though, personally, I felt that some of the romance around beer has died a bit in the U.S. 
I don't know. I guess and it's a little bit different because like obviously I was in like small town. I was in no big towns. Yeah. I was not exploring anything big where it's, it's kind of like it was really cool because in my hometown where there were never any breweries and yeah. now on a Saturday night, like people didn't ever hang out downtown where I grew up. And so it was like weird to ever think being an adult there was an option. But you're in like the town square and there's a brewery there now and there's heaps of people hanging out and music yeah. and food trucks. And to me, it's like kind of really interesting watching how that's all totally changed the downtown area of where I grew up. Like yeah. a coffee shop that's busy every morning and a bike shop and then breweries where people come and go out at night. Like, yeah. Which, of course, is, again, super different because you have to drive everywhere there. Yep. Attitudes we, around driving while drinking in the U.S. are totally different. different than what we think Which of in Australia. Which also, very different. 0.08 and 0.05 are massively different. Yes. Yes. And I know because I've been pulled over in the U.S. and been breathalyzed before and been nowhere near 0.08 and had probably a few beers. Mm. Probably shouldn't have been driving, nah. but not even close to the limit. Yeah. Whereas here, I feel like after two beers, you're so close to the limit, you wouldn't push it. Yeah. Which also, we both live so close to a metro area. You can very easily not drive anywhere, whereas yeah. where I grew up, I don't even know how you'd get around. Yeah, right. I don't think there's Uber. Yeah, they... they There used to be one Uber driver, but he would often drink with people when he drove them out. Oh, yeah. My, know, whenever I'm home anyway. Uber drivers in New Orleans were always drinking. Having an Uber driver drive us through a daiquiri shop because it's New Orleans. Yeah. Drive through daiquiri shops. And um, we bought him like two large, like <laughs> Everclear based daiquiris because he was driving us from a casino that was like 35 minutes out of town. Anyways, we were like, yeah, here, have some drinks while you drive. Um, pretty fucked up that. But yes, uh, now I think, well, I think what I saw in the cities and stuff, it's moving a little bit more away from beer and more into, I feel like everyone just gets really stoned all the time and hangs oh, out. Oh, see, home. Pennsylvania. Not, not an option. Yeah. And in New Jersey, even there's like four places you can buy it and there's a line outside every day, apparently. Yeah, yeah right. So, yeah, maybe if I was in Oregon or California, it might have been different, honestly, even for me, but it's not an option there. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because beer and craft beer is so much more integrated into everyone's activities all the time. Like, it's not like yeah. you're a beer person. It's just like... That's where you go on a Friday or Saturday night yeah. anyway. Yeah. I think that's, to me, always been the biggest thing, whereas when I'm back in America, and I've said this before on podcasts and when people like talked about this before, I don't have to sell people on going to a brewery with me mm. or a bar with specialty beer. Mm -hmm. They're just going to go anyway, gonna, whereas yeah. here... It's probably why most of my friends work in beer is because otherwise I have to like sell you on the idea of going to a place that doesn't just have Carlton Draft on top. Yeah. Which now all the places that have Carlton Draft have a way better tap lineup. But 10, 15 years ago when I got here, it was like bleak. Can we go out of our way to go to this one bar that has other beers on top? Yeah. That's how it was when I lived in Cairns. though. still, I mean, that was granted four years ago. It's now. probably still like that there. I don't know. They do have more breweries up there now, but like True. it was like. The popular places were CUB bars and you had very little options. Or, and, I mean, I have a lot of recollections of drinking jugs of 4X and cans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would drink Brook Belly Union ginger beer to be honest. It tastes like water. Fair. It's great. It's delicious. So good. So hydrating. Um, But like it was hard to find craft beer bars and it was hard to talk people into going to them because they weren't the popular places to hang yeah. out. 
uh, at least for who I was hanging out with, which was a bunch of working holiday makers four years ago. Yeah. But it's like regular yeah. people, right? Yeah. People yeah, who yeah. don't have beers, their personality. Yes, right. Which is our entire friend group. Oh, God. Um, right. So we also had a big week this past week. Man, it was a big week. It was a big week. Um, we judged the Independent Beer Awards. Yeah. The, the Indies. Um, yeah. So Tiff and I were both judges. I was an associate judge again at the Independent Beer Awards. But um, yeah, let's let's talk about that because I think the last episode that we actually put out was, was another post-judging episode. Which was ages ago. But <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that I was like doing a little episode, last episode about judging, but it's fine. It's what we, we did. We did record another episode in between that, but um, the sound went out. Ugh, so yeah. sad. Sorry, Mel. Sorry, we'll need Mel. to get you on again, even yeah. if it's virtually. It was Mel from Rocky Ridge, and it was actually an awesome chat. Beers. It was so good, and I, I wanted to listen to it again, which is why I was even more bummed that it, the sound quality was just it wasn't <laughs> the sound didn't exist. Um, <laughs> it didn't. Uh, there was no saving it because it wasn't there. Um, right. So we judged the Independent Beer Awards. Tiff, how many years have you done this beer award? It was actually my first one. Was it? Mm. Oh, was it? Yeah. So the last time they did the Indies. In 2019. In 2019. So they did do it last year, but it was Queensland. Yeah. We couldn't go because we were in lockdown. We were in lockdown. Um, In 2019, I was already, I was invited to be an associate judge, but I was in the States. And I got back the morning BrewCon started and I went to BrewCon. All right. I didn't get to go to BrewCon, but I did get to judge one day be an associate one day at the indies in 2019 that's awesome that was awesome um and i was working for molly rose back then oh yeah that was that that period of time that i had to hop on over jump between jobs every six months yeah yeah between jobs um yeah so different different go around this time uh nice to see everyone in the room and the independent beer awards for those who don't know is for independent beer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it does say it in the name. <laughs> so every independent brewer can enter their beers into the Indies, whether you're an IBA member or not. So it's for everybody as long as you're independent. And it is kind of cool because, again, they break out awards by size of brewery. They break out awards by state. So you kind of get to see who the breweries kind of top out in each state as well. Which state beats which state in craft beer? It's a state showdown. Probably. No, actually, I was going to say probably Victoria, but I don't think they've... No, I think Queensland normally does, doesn't it? Yeah. Or WA. WA punches well above its weight in breweries. WA does. Mm. Mm. Right. And I think it was kind of cool because it was definitely a different pool of judges than AIBAs. Yeah, it was. It has a very transparent process for applying to become a judge. Yep. As we talked about with AIBAs, you do have to be nominated. Yeah. It's a little more difficult to get in, I think. Yeah. Whereas the indies, you apply to be a judge and you just need references. Yeah. You need references and you just kind of like state your case. And then there's a fucking um, awesome. (laughs) And then there's a much larger advisory committee Mm -hmm. that chooses the judges from. And then Tina, who's also was also the head judge for indies this year. All hail Tina. Tina's legend. I want to be Tina when I grow up. I. I want Tina's personality. She's the best. She's, she's really literally lovely. the nicest. Yeah, I want to squeeze. Like, I just. Uh, uh. <laughs> she's just warm. But also, she's she has warm. so much knowledge and mm-hmm. never hesitates to share it. Nope. Which I think is incredible. Yeah. And she's she has this way of being honest that's like a quite like raw honesty, but it's so 
warm. I don't know. It's so It's nice. like when you get constructive feedback, but it never puts anyone in a defensive position. Yes. She's very good. Yeah. She's very good at what she does. She's also an incredibly talented taster. And I mean, whatever. Da, yeah. Da, da, da. This is not I a, mean, a Tina. <laughs> the Tina a podcast. Tina, this is a Tina Stan pod. <laughs> Let's get Tina on one day. Stand Tina. Yeah, we should get Tina on. So where were we? Uh so judging. Um But once again, what the what are they looking for when they are looking for judges, right? You would you would have a better idea of this than me because you just recently I mean with the AIBA. So what what are they looking for when they're looking for judges? You need to get a diverse panel. It you should be yeah. a professional in the beer industry with a long working history in the beer industry, correct? I mean, I think they're looking for people who have experience tasting, but mm. also people, and this is like for me what I always have been looking at is also people who can articulate what they're tasting. Yes. That's a really important part of any of this. And I think wanting to do it should really factor into it, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really hard for me to say. I've never really chosen, barely become a full judge myself. So, yeah. but I think it's, Really interesting to see how the judge, how a different advisory committee chose different judges as well. Of course. And one thing I just love about, and this was the same with the AIBAs as well, right, is sitting at a table, I never felt anything other than respect and collaboration. As an associate judge, you review your head judge and you also get to review the other judges at the table if yep. there is anything off. So I think it's really important to emphasize how much of a collaborational process this has to be. And you have to be like, sometimes you might gold a beer that everybody else thinks was shit. Yeah. There's there's no egos. Like, yeah. Ideally, you don't have any egos at the table. It's lay your ego down. And, and it's been really interesting as well as everybody's pulling these digital platforms in to judge on. Yes. Versus when we used to do it on paper and just discuss and then amalgamate the scores. Yeah. But when you do it digitally, you actually pull, you can see everybody's comments and see what everyone scored it. So there's no, it's you can't like transparent. change your score in your head is hearing what everyone else is saying. And you kind of have to confidently put down your feelings and yeah. stand by them. And again, the better you can articulate why you gave it a gold when everyone else gave it a bronze, like then it makes that conversation a lot richer. Yeah. 100%. And often it, then you can talk people around to maybe you know maybe it should be a silver instead of a bronze yeah maybe there's something that they missed in it or they didn't read the style guidelines as much as like as closely as you did because obviously that's why you need lots of people at the table because yeah. everyone's going to pick up something different yeah and everybody has different sensitivities and everybody's blind yeah. to different things and every day like Kiralee was my table captain the first day but we all kind of went around the table and was like this is what I'm blind to yeah this is this is my weak spot so I love that I also love like and this, I think this happened to everyone at the table, but at a certain point in the day, after you've gorged yourselves on cheese cubes, <laughs> I think I was scoring a little bit more favorably or like, mm. and I think this happened to everyone, right? Like every, you would read comments and you would be like, oh, I actually had nothing positive to say. And I gave that beer <laughs> a silver and everybody else was like, no metal. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I didn't say anything nice and vice versa, right? Where you read your comments, but you scored it really low. And but you're like, I never said scored anything it really bad. High and you're like, I have no co negative comments there. Yeah. Why did I score it there? And I liked, I really liked that conversation that came from those yeah. instances. It um, made it a really nice, easy way to compromise on scores and like have the conversation, I yeah. thought. I also had Curly as a table captain one day, which I've yes. never judged with Curly before. So it was, it was very cool. And it was funny because we all sat down and Carly said, what's your strong point? And it wasn't like, what's your blindness? And 
Mm. Um, we had Rich from Lalaman, who's excellent with, you know, quite technical and sensory. And then mm. we ended up with Chris, who's also quite good at the more technical. So Chris Damagala, like good on the technical stuff, sensory. Mm-hmm. And I was, Carly was like, what's your strong point? And I was like, I'm style Nazi. Yeah. I read style guidelines and I teach people style guidelines. So that's where I'm like, I will taste it and I go straight back to the guidelines. Yeah. And I'm either, you know, really appreciative of somebody who enters something into the right style and it's like bang on. Yeah. But I'm also the first one to take points off for not hitting the style guidelines, especially in Australia. We have so many beers that are so low bitterness and when you get into american ipas and they're all like these are delicious beers but they are not bitter they're not bitter i i found that too as well when we had american ipas and i think that was everybody one i think as a as our palates have changed as hazies have become so popular and i think people have gotten Mm. used to a softer bitterness drinking these very bitter west coast ipas is a little more difficult nowadays because they do seem more aggressive but like breweries i think have also toned them down because they weren't selling and the hazies are selling right so but then it's like oh but you still want like if you're giving me a west coast um, american style ipa like please get the bitterness up there but i think there's been a big softening yeah and it's not that you still can't get a gold if you have this excellent ipa that you've entered as an american ipa because it's you know, rammed full of American hops, but also like some of the hop profiles coming out of America are so different now than Mm. when they wrote these style guidelines, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It's not all like piney, grassy, resiny, dank citrus. Now we get new world sabro and talus and it's coconut coconut. and pineapple and tropical fruits. It's really interesting how I think our palates have changed because of the hazy moments. And we had so many hazies in this competition. I did. I my my yeah. tables were. I was really with disappointed the by the hazies ad. I don't know why. Yeah, look, and here's the thing, hazies, and here's the thing about beer competitions as I well. I didn't judge and my with- very many either, so I should preface <laughs> it with that. And very few. Yeah, from a technical standpoint, brewing a hazy, you want to drink those beers as fresh right as away, possible, yeah. right? Like hops, very volatile. Those those beers are made for showcasing hop aromas and flavors and. Those characteristics are super volatile and they go really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And once those characteristics go, then any fault that might be in the beer comes out. Um, And oftentimes at these beer competitions, they're sending the beers in like the beers are being packaged a month before we actually drink them at the competition. Yep. So you have to have really strong faith in yourself that by the time it goes through shipping and handling and being stored, that that beer is going to be as good as it was as it went into package. Um, They're so susceptible to oxidation. They're so susceptible to mishandling. And then if it's too fresh, you get the hot burn. And so there's that week or two where they're perfect and you just have to hit it right. Because there were a few that we tasted and I was thinking, I think next week this beer would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, but right now it's just It's just getting that sweet spot on the hazies is really hard for judging. Yeah. It's when I was... um, in New Orleans this past trip, I did a collaboration beer with the first brewery I ever worked with. Yay. Um, Courtyard Brewery in New Orleans. So we were running the recipe. It's on top there now if anybody's in New Orleans. It's what? It is on top. It is on top right now, isn't it? Yeah. So, but it was ready. He packaged it two weeks ago and he was like, it is burning. He used a lot of Eclipse in it. And I was like, I think with Eclipse, it's a hop. You kind of have to hit the sweet spot. Like just let it die down a bit. It is going to be quite aggressive Mm. because it's, you're packaging it like, 
two and a half weeks after it was made, yeah. three weeks after it was made. And it was a bit. And now he tapped it and he said, it's awesome. Like, it's really, really good. But he had to wait. You know, he was waiting mm -hmm. to, like, actually put it on because you wanted to wait till some of that bitterness dies down. Yeah. Um, you want to wait until you find that absolutely perfect sweet spot with those beers. They're hard beers, man. And I think every time I judge them, I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> they're hard they're, and they're hard to judge and everybody's like it's still quite a new style for I us. think it's I remember sitting at a table a few years ago and somebody and it was like the first hazy had come in mm. and some of the older judges just had no experience with it yeah and it was really hard because they were almost just going on personal preference yeah and the guidelines weren't quite as defined but I happened to be sitting with a brewer who did have a lot of experience making them. Mm -hmm. And so it was really interesting where he and I were fighting for gold on these beers and everyone else at the table was like bronze at best. And we were thinking, this is such a great example of the style. It's so nice to have, you know, great examples of the style in Australia finally and fighting with some of the older judges who just didn't get it. I, but I feel the same way about like American Amber Ales. Like, I'm like, I have a lot of experience with these styles. Yep. Not a lot of people do. American wheats, like they're really yep. hard. You can read this. You have to rely on the style guidelines with these beers and what's allowed and what's not allowed. And, and some experience tasting yeah, it, and some I think, is really important. Them. Absolutely. I had American light lagers dropped on my table. And I'm so jealous of that. Everyone really just jealous. looked at me and I was like <laughs> thinking, at first I was thinking, just because I'm American, you think I know these beers. But then the reality was, one, I absolutely do. Yeah, and two, I kind of fucking love them. Yeah, because so, it's corn. Yeah. I was like, um, everyone looked at me and I was like, I do know this style. <laughs> I know Hang this on. style so We gave well. out two golds in that. How good. Yeah. Great. I The loggers, I think there were a lot of really good like loggers happening out there. The loggers were insane yeah. across the board. They were great. style loggers. Um, the year of craft loggers. The year. I think we said that last year. I don't care. It's finally happened. Loggers, 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 loggers. <laughs> Logger summer. Um, you know, because there's 85 Oktoberfest this year that everyone yeah. made loggers. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I think overall, like, quality of beer was still pretty good. I just, I did mm -hmm. have a lot of hazies. I had a lot of American style IPAs and I had a lot of loggers. I didn't have a lot of styles outside of that. Um, I had a lot of free beers. I had a lot of gluten free beers. Only in the trophy rounds did I see gluten free. I never saw no low alk. I saw yeah. some session beers. We had sessions. Um, but I saw a lot of American Pale and Australian Pales. Oh, yeah. We had a lot of American Pale Ales as well. We only had one flight of four oh, sours. I so had most of the times the flights were coming out in like six. We no only had sours. Four sa really? Are we are sours dying? No, no, no. I had. Do you think sours But I think that's because we were at different tables the whole time. So No, but like what if sours are dying? They're definitely then? not because I'll tell you what. I ended up like really awesomely being able to judge the final round. Okay, okay, okay. And I'll yeah, tell yeah. you what, I had some, the trophy round of Sours, Fruit and Funk, mm. incredible. Like every single one of them mm. was outstanding. Mm. It was okay. really hard to choose. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see who wins on those ones. <gasps> Tiff stayed all the way till the end. It was I cashed out. Week. I, I, I was there for some of the trophies, but um, because of conflicts, not because conflicts, meaning we were in trophy rounds, but with this awards, if the brewery you work for entered a beer into a, a category, category, you could not judge it um, in the trophy rounds. Yeah. So that doesn't even mean that your brewery was meddling. 
it just means going to be, yeah. it just meant that you couldn't. So um, Stomping Ground, we entered a lot of beers this year. So I could not judge anything. Um, Whereas this year I have zero conflicts yeah, because I work in merch. Conflicts. So good. And which is pretty much the reason, like when we got all the way to the end, it was only people with no conflicts. Yeah. And so there weren't a whole lot of people <laughs> so left who had no conflicts yeah. with anything. Yeah. So good. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I will say it's hard in the sense that you're on because we do we were doing judges socials each night after judging all day then we were all going out like you're just on and you're in it and it's lovely to be immersed in that and your palate gets so fine-tuned yeah but also you get to the point where you're like i can't put anything else in my stomach hurts i can't eat any more cheese cubes costco cheese cubes oxidized that have been sitting on a table that have been sitting out all day and and you like get water end, crackers you're like playing with the cheese cubes because they're like a fun or at least i was because they're a fun texture so i was Same. like squishing them between i pull my them fingers. apart yeah like you eat them picking them yeah weird yeah that's the other thing yeah, yeah you have to you have to because you swallow when you're beer judging and so you kind of need the cheese to just line the stomach so that you can keep going all day yeah and then it's everybody bad. gets this like glazed over like the the second judges third well it was three nights so we had the first night where we all went and did um off flavors and intro which was a really awesome way to start having yeah. everybody do sensory yeah it's so good so everybody did sensory on the sunday night and it was like a little introduction they fed us some nibbles and we all got to stand around and chat and have some beers and then the second day we did like judging all day and we all went and had some snacks and stuff um afterwards and beers and socialized and then by the third night where we were all out again after judging all day we were we were at a table <laughs> with some other some of the other pink boots women that are like incredibly amazing people but i think all of us just had this kind of glazed over look in our <laughs> eyes and like we didn't want to talk about beer but then we were like i have nothing else to talk about <laughs> i will say one thing and i don't know if anyone if you follow us you probably follow jen blair yes and so Jen posted this week about GABF judging hmm. and having some other women who she's close to also judging, which meant the breaks and the social time after were a lot more enjoyable and just having an ally who hmm. understands you. Our experience in this past week, we're in a room where it was about 30%, about 30% women. Yeah. Which is good. Or those who identify as women. Yeah. And obviously, I think it was a, con you know, quit in concerted effort to make sure to include quite a bit of diversity yeah but it does totally change the dynamics of the social time absolutely you could see during the social hours where we were all drifting together and having conversations and discussing and you'd quite often see all these tables there were large tables but it was often just full of all of the women and the pink boots members and yeah but it is really nice having friends there Yes. to decompress with. Sitting at a table of judging, you're forced to spend a whole day often at a table where you don't know everybody. Yeah. And you have a whole day of not only like sitting at the table, but you're talking and communicating and having to be on and yeah. wanting, to, wanting to make a really good impression as well. Yeah. Think, right? And, you know, you you end up sharing a lot because you're sitting at a table talking all day. You share a lot and you kind of like make new friends sitting at these tables yeah. very often. You've got 15 tables in the room and there's one woman at each table. So you never have an ally at your table who kind of is having that same experience as you. Mm. And when you start getting to the point where you quite often have more than one woman at the table, it does change the dynamics. Yeah, and there's sure. the last competition I judged, which was Sydney, which was 50-50. Mm -hmm. 
And this one where it was probably about 30% and it does totally change the dynamics. And you just have like a level of comfort, even if you don't know the woman at the table, but you often just know like in the back of your mind that you have something in common already. Yeah. A yeah. shared experience. Which is still, it is being a woman in a male dominated industry. Yeah. And it's, and you know, it does make it more visible for someone to look <laughs> around. Well, for someone to like look around and be like, oh, there's a lot of women here. It's like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> when will we stop saying that? Yeah. But when will that be something not of note? And I think it's changing. Like, I think that dynamic in the judging room, in Australia at least, for sure, yeah. is, is different. Yeah. Now I just hope that we start to see more people from more diverse backgrounds. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I really do. I, I would love to see more of that in the beer industry. More reflective of the world that we live in, and especially the city that we live in, I think, as well. Yeah. It's always interesting to me. But that's probably the, a conversation for a different podcast. Probably. But it was, you know, that's kind of well, if we're discussing indies, that to me was a feeling. And I think yeah. while I took it in while it was happening and I did kind of notice how the groups of women were generally kind of congregating together. Yeah. And it wasn't really that you didn't feel comfortable somewhere else. It was just more comfortable. It's more comfortable. In the groups of other women yeah. and having that there. Um, just you something, you know, after reading Jen's post, it made me mm. think about it more and how we're also actively pushing things forward. I mean, there's no question that we're not like we're pushing it. Yeah. And making it happen. Yeah. But once again, every single woman that was sitting at every single table I had is every so right to be. Qualified. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I just, I'm, I am amazed by the women or identifying as women, um, the people that have been at the Indies and also at the AIBAs. Like, I am just in awe of how fucking talented everyone is and how mm. good they are and qualified yeah absolutely experience they have like so smart so so smart so i've never i've i'm just in awe of every woman who works in this industry um all right tiff that's it for us today i think oh, thanks for listening it's been fun <laughs> check out beer fans if you haven't seen it before yep um tiff uh yes and something i want to leave everyone with a profound thought Nope, there's nothing in my brain. Continue cur your courageous conversations. That's good. So continue the courageous conversations. We promise the ne next episode we have might have another person on. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll bring blind tastings back. All right, um, Tiff, where can we find you? As always, at Beer Girl Bites on all the things. Linz, where we can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Talk Beardy to Me on all the things. And you can find us at Crack the Ceiling Podcast on Instagram, we is it Crack the Ceiling Podcast? Crack the Ceiling Podcast uh, on just Instagram. You kind of rolled your eyes, so I was like, "Wait, is that no, wrong?" No, that was me trying to remember if that was right. And we're on. We have a Facebook. We have a Facebook. Maybe we don't have a Facebook. Do we? Have a, we don't have a Facebook. We have a Gmail. We have an email. We have an email. You email us. Email us or message us on Instagram. We're more likely to see it because I don't think either of us <laughs> check that. I do check it. It's on um, my phone. Um, but yes, so please message us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time. On Crack the Ceiling Podcast. No, we're not doing that. Okay. Bye.